Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I okay. could talk about this for hours, but anyway, so let's uh, for my audience who um, who might not be familiar with you, do you just want to give a brief introduction? You know, your, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. I'm Ernesto Glucksman. I'm one of the hosts of Through the Noise podcast, and I've it's a show that I've been exploring like innovations in clean technology. Um, but however, prior to that, that's, that's sort of a recent thing. Uh, I've had 20 years working uh, with nonprofits dealing with their data technology, digital, digital technology systems. And I don't know, I spent the last six years interviewing about 500 CEOs, executive directors, communication directors of nonprofits in the Washington area. So I like I'm not I'm not an, a nonprofit expert, but I get I, got, I feel like I got a good bead on what they do and how they do it and why they do what they do um, just from working with them so, so much. But I'm I'm like an embedded tech guy in this mm-hmm. world of like influence and multi-stakeholder things that that people do um and it's been an intriguing it's been an intriguing ride but um but my chain my the change i've had uh towards clean clean energy technologies and just innovative companies and like tesla story like that definitely solidified it for me going like whoa this is really really happening um that's that's what made my managing partner and I was like, okay, it's time to change, it's time to shift gears. We've we've we want to go into this direction. So I still have a book of business with nonprofits, clients that I friends and contacts that I've had over the years, but I'm going down this new uncharted world for me. Um, so it's been awesome to, having you on the show, uh, far as that to give me a little bit of ins- a taste. It's like a taste of what <laughs> it was like working there. Your four years slash a decade of your life that you. That was cool. Yeah, um, man. I yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you having me on, dude. That was that was so yeah. fun. Yeah, and, and the name of the podcast again, uh, through the noise uh, podcast. Through the right? noise podcast. Yeah, there's a through the noise band. They're a pretty cool metal band, but it's through <laughs> the noise podcast. So if you're gonna look us up on YouTube, which is what I just started, I think I got like. 30 subscribers which is awesome nice. i'm happy for that. um and i'm just still leveling that thing up we j- it was it's it's been an audio only show for the last six some years so mm. my audience is really on just a podcast um and in the washington dc area but um but i'm changing this new direction so yeah, you're going yeah. on a new adventure i'm going on a new adventure so yeah <laughs> Yeah, just trying out new stuff. What was the so you, you talked about sort of like the, the the clean tech sort of arena? What um what was the time? And just to give you a little bit of, of feedback uh, behind sort of me going to your to your podcast. So Ernesto reached out, and you know he's obviously uh, passionate about that uh, part of the industry, and he's a fan of Tesla and enjoys Tesla. So I went on to sort of talk to him about that, but I also gained a lot of uh, sort of interest in speaking to Ernesto as well because of his sort of the the nature of, of his background and sort of his understanding of where clean tech is going. And then the the governmental aspect of that as well, living in Washington, D.C. and in those areas, I think it's a very fascinating uh, combination. But, but what I'm really curious to hear is what what was the moment where Tesla became like a like a, a you know you kind of talked about it's like well we saw Tesla now this this is an obvious thing that we're going towards like what what was the moment if you can paint that picture for us like what what did that moment look like and why was it so obvious at the time Yeah um so okay so so going back a little bit uh I had um yeah I had I I I always thought of Tesla as like they had some interesting 
kind of battery cars. And I think I bought some shares years ago, just a few, a handful, like, you know, when they were like at 300 bucks a share or something like that. Um, I didn't really, I just, I, 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 you know, an engineer mind, I I didn't really dive into the story. I just liked the idea of battery technology and it seemed like Tesla sort of had something, but I didn't think much of it. Um, What happened to me was I spent, you know, like I said, I interviewed all these executive directors, all these CEOs of these nonprofits, these mostly trade associations. So it's like the world of nonprofits is varied. But for me, I've always been interested in how businesses work. And actually, when I was trying to get my computer science degree at Maryland, I, I like databases, discovered databases. And I thought, oh, if I if I learn about databases, this this will be the brains of an operation. Like if I understand their database or they, how they're doing it, how they're tracking data, this will be the thing. And so um, and so I got into that and then I got into the web world, doing websites and maintaining these systems for these nonprofits. So when I looked at like what types of nonprofits, because I'm in Washington, D.C., our, our backyard is basically the government. Um, and that's like super complex and like mind numbingly challenging to work in or the companies that serve the government, which is not much better. Right. Like they're like it's like outsourced HR and you know, it's just really, it's just this world that I just wasn't that interested in or these, this world of nonprofits that I didn't know much about. And so um, I picked nonprofits. Um, actually, one of the easiest things about nonprofits is they have to disclose their expenditures. Let's look at this form called 990. So, you know, I was able to find, oh, well, how much are they spending on tech? How much, how big is this nonprofit? Like, I got more mm. insights there. So it just led me in this path of, exploring this world. And um, so anyway, fast forward to a very specific conversation I had with one non, a very like a conservative nonprofit, the National Corn Growers Association. And I was talking to their executive director, John Doggett. And basically you picture this, this guy, it was their lead lobbyist for 30 years uh, for this group of uh, members that, you know, grow corn. Now, they don't grow like um, regular corn you eat. They grow corn for like ethanol, uh, like, you know, for industry stuff. And so they're, his main job is to try to find other markets to, to expand. Like he goes to Mexico and it's like, you should add some of our ethanol to your gasoline or reduce some of the particulates, you know, and uh, you know, you, you could, you could have your arguments, whether that's, true or not, or like, it it doesn't matter. I'm just painting, just understand that this guy, his whole job was to help his members grow their industry. And Mm -hmm. somewhere we're having this conversation. He said somewhere around 2014, um, the, the, um, they started to change their tune. Basically, he played defense on Capitol Hill for anything that would curtail the, their industry, the, the fuel fuel usage, uh, you know, anything that, you know, c- climate change to them was like, what? What are you talking about? You know, this is, we're making fuel here for the future, right? Fossil fuels, mm-hmm. but in this case, corn stuff. So it didn't, it didn't register to them. But around 2014, he started getting some members complaining or reaching out because what had happened in some fields in, I think, South Carolina, um, just the, just a little bit of extra variability in the, the annual weather patterns that happened 
push just enough, like a micro mic, centimeters, tiny amounts of water table pushed up salt into the field. So like he, he, he told me about it. He's like, you could walk the field in the morning and you would see the, the field would glisten refractions of the salt that had basically been pushed into these fields and it, it ruined the ability for the fields to, to yield oh, the shit. corn. And so then suddenly these companies that didn't give a shit about climate change really were going, oh shit, this is actually like really like this is happening. And so John Doggett was like, oh yeah, we were, we were totally wrong about climate change. Um, they flipped their tune and they started creating a sustainability group within the association. They, I looked them up. They created a memorandum of understanding and cooperation with the environmental defense fund, which is like a real practical uh, in, um, organization institute to help better farming practices, like, like all kinds of things suddenly exploded out of that, out of that process. And I'm just sort of sitting there kind of hitting me in the face, like, wow, this like super, but no, I mean, like, like these guys have like an office right on F street where like they have a window, you could see capital, you can see the capital right there with a few wow. blocks. And it's, it's like, that's important because you're sort of, you bring your members, your biggest corporate farming members, you want to show them like, you can just walk into that building and start talking to, you know, some of those Congress people, some of those staff, like it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a thing, right. To, to demonstrate uh, for the associates to demonstrate their effectiveness, their impact, the value. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was in that moment that it kind of hit me like, Oh shit. If, if, if this is starting to affect them, well, where else is it affecting? Um, and I started looking around and I just start to realize that the issue is starting to bubble up everywhere. Now it's not, it's not at, at crisis level at every industry that's out there are other associations. There are definitely associations that are still like, they have like no clue what to do about it. Right. And they have no idea how to, you know, reduce their carbon footprints or any kind. Mm -hmm. And, but, but all, like everything that grows, the paper industry, uh, fertilizing Institute, they're all under pressure right now. And they, and they're, and they're responding in different ways, sometimes in more of a defensive action, trying to say that they're not, they're not as toxic. The, the, uh, you know, the, the airline fuels industry will cite like, you know, we we're using, we're experimenting with some biofuels. And by the way, we're only 2% of like the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. So we're really not the main, you know, causes, but effectively the conversation in Washington DC has changed from like denying or obfuscating to like, Oh yeah, it is a thing <laughs> yeah. and shit. We have to do something. What do we do? It's the next stage for many of these groups. Right. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's really interesting. So, so really, these these guys didn't really start. These guys really didn't start uh, really caring, or or let's say once it started hitting their pockets, uh, once it really started hitting them from a profitability perspective or the ability to actually generate some sort of product, did they really start focusing hard on the climate change issue? Right, like th yeah. that's when they really started focusing their gaze over. Okay, where where does um yeah. so for your own personal journey? So is Tesla sort of the the cog that as you were kind of like discovering the different aspects of uh, how this was how this was impacting other companies? You you stumbled upon Tesla as like that forcing function towards more attention towards uh, sort of climate change being a real issue. How how did that play in? Uh, that's a good one. no 
No, actually, <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, what happened was, you know, it was around the time where, you know, I grew up, you know, I, I went through the dot coms. I'm like, I'm in my 40s. I went through the dot coms. I went through like the social media, you know, hype cycle, web 2.0. Uh, I don't like calling it social media anymore. I just call that scroll media. It's just scroll. It's sure. not social. It's just it's just bad. Yeah. But anyway, um, and so I was losing that like, oh, technology has a real, you know, impact. I was, you know, when AI started to come along, uh, Amazon Web Service started providing some of these neural network, you know, systems and sort of commercializing some of this work. I still didn't quite like see like, all right, well, yeah, there's interesting concepts, but I'm not really seeing the true impact when I, you know, you see uh, SpaceX land a ship. Okay. That's not done through simple, like a, somebody coding the algorithm to land it. Like that's yeah. vastly more complicated. And so that kind of sent the off, like, uh, you know, look, pay, pay a little more attention to what's happening here. Mm -hmm. But I think the reality of Tesla was, as I was looking at, well, where else is this sort of where where are the other industries are going to be impacted by climate? So where are they doing meaningful work? Where are they more greenwashing right now? Um, I come across Tesla's like fight of FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty that, you know, the, <laughs> that's what turned me on to the story of Tesla, because I was like the amount of like nonsense coverage was just shocking to me. I was like, what the heck? Why? What is it with the, all the animosity towards this company who is trying to electrify the auto fleet, right, yeah. on their own with, you know, with, yeah, okay, maybe an eccentric CEO, but like no one else is doing it. Like this, this, is, the, this is our best shot, right? Like what yeah. is it? And, you know, you start to pull up the threads and you start to recognize that, yeah, it's, you know, it's the beginning I, in my assessment of the auto industry kind of imploding and mm -hmm. the auto industry pays a lot of money for media attention and so there's a lot of reporters and people that cover the auto industry that have also at stake their paychecks if this transition doesn't go smoothly so you know and you know as you pick up one story of tesla and then you dig into the facts and you realize the story just kind of like didn't even bother to look, didn't even bother to Google. And then you go to the next door and you go to the next door and then you realize, man, there's like, there's a concerted effort. I think it's, I can't pinpoint it, you know, but there's definitely this din towards this anti, um, you know, EV approach. And I just mm -hmm. think that it's going to get worse before it gets better in my opinion. Right. Um, what makes you think that? Why do you think it's going to get worse? Um, well, like, I was looking at um, the latest. The latest sort of examples were like the Oklahoma uh, bill by uh, I wrote, what's his name, Senator. I want to get his name right. Uh, Can't remember uh, if you sent this to me. Yeah, I want to get this right. You can edit this like search. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Mike uh, Dubrinsky. Mike okay. Dubrinsky. You know, I like. It's so like it, it's it's you know he gets a ton of money from um, dealerships and the dealership model has been his business like it's his he's been in he had owned dealerships he understands dealers dealers he understands that model in Oklahoma 
but to to like create a 70 page bill right uh, with like vague enough language that's you could tell you could be interpreted one way or the other and leave it to the enforcement to figure out what it all means it's 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 aimed at te- it's like it's think that's aimed at and i didn't go read through the whole 70 page i got better things to do i'm not <laughs> that guy I got, no, I got no one's got time for that <laughs> not even the like, guys writing it have time for no, that you know? no I, I can tell you a lot about that i mean no i mean that, i mean that like I mean, where can I go with all that? Like, yeah, no one, no one has time to, 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 to read these things, much less write them. It's all outsourced to lobbyists, lobbyists that are hired by the associations, these nonprofits that pay to, you know, get their, their issues on the books to, to, to do this. Like, you know, I used to, I did some work for, um, uh, Carl Levin, Senator Carl Levin of Michigan back in the, he passed away uh, a few years ago, but um, like one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful senator at the time, but like definitely at the top. I mean, he was in charge of the uh, Senate. What is it? The Senate Arms Committee, the, the committee that oversees the, the military establishment. Yeah. Right. Like he's like keeping an eye on like all, all the investments the military does and for what reasons and so forth. Like you would go into his office, beautiful on, on Capitol Hill, you know, like tall ceilings. But like his staff, they're crammed in there. It's like stuffed. And it's like they have maybe... He's at the top, like it's seniority. So he gets maybe like 50 people working for his, you know, and he splits them up in the district. Some are in Michigan, some are in DC. And they have to like keep track of everything Michigan, all the issues that bubble up in Michigan as it pertains to the federal government, as it pertains to national issues, as it pertains to the military, as it pertains to all those interests, as it pertains to technology. Like it's like you look at it, it goes, there's not enough people to keep track of it all, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, just just dealing with email was like a two person job and they had that software that would collate all the email messages, people, all the constituents, everybody sending in there. I hate you, Senator Carlin, for doing this or that or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. just to be able to get a sense of like, all right, well, we got, a, you know, 400 messages about this issue, but another thousand against it. So, we're, you know, we got to be careful how we make a statement around this particular like just amassing that. And trying to be responsive to your constituents. It's just not enough people uh, in these organizations, in the political office, right? Um, And so what what do they rely on? They rely on lobbyists. They rely on lobbyists providing, making the case. They know that they have a biased perspective, but then they go, well, give me the data. And the lobbyists go, they go back to the association, their trade group, and they go, hey, I need more data here. I need more invested in putting together this research paper because we have like one senator or Congress representative that is sympathetic to our cause, but he can't go on publicly making uh, statements or make a bill or push it without us like really showing him how it's going to impact his constituent services. Like all they care about is how does it impact their constituents? They don't necessarily care about the, the grander things, right? Um, which is unfortunate. But um, but I think that, that that sort of like, you know, deal making and like the fancy restaurant here in Washington, D.C., like I, it's like that's like an old trope at this point. I, I, I think that 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 model's in trouble in general. The 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 trade association model is in trouble. It's 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 harder and harder for these groups to keep members interested and focused and organized around a particular issue. So um, you have to understand, like associations. Like I don't know, I, I could I could stop and if you no, want. No, keep going. Right keep going. Um, 
the 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 CEO or the executive director of an association is like the role, the the the, the specific role is a is a political role. It's a politician's role because you you you're you're always under pressure to be an be effective advocate for the industry, but any one strategic decision or direction you might make could turn off half your members, right? Right. And your members start questioning why are they paying dues for for the positions the association is taking, right? Mm. So these mm-hmm. guys become really good at just hedging and not making any strong commitments, finding the middle of the road. I mean, that's the job. That's the job. So, mm. you know, um, the association world is not exactly the most exciting, um, but all of that work that they do with all of the staff is to help create an environment for these fiercely competitive, ordinarily competitive uh, members, owners of businesses or whatever, to come together, set aside their competitive differences, and then really try to address particular issues of the industry. Um, And so it's usually driven by crisis. They're usually mm. driven by crisis. A, a, a good crisis for an industry is kind of a windfall for an, for a good association mm-hmm. team because it motivates other. It motivates the membership to do something right. And there's like a you know there's a there's a, a self regulation like even that aspect of it like the government can't regulate everything. It relies on trade associations to set certain standards to moderate themselves to to referee their own their own industry like if there's like a safety issue bubbles up in in a particular industry to an extent that regulators start going hey like your product or your service or the way you do these things is like causing this external harm and we need you know you need to do something about it or we will do it and our prescriptions can not going to be in favor right of the Mm -hmm. industry that executive director runs back, goes to the member, like we better do something because this is going to happen if we don't, if we don't. And, um, and so that usually galvanizes the the membership to like, okay, organize themselves. Now, you know, you have, they have to be very careful too, because there's like a lot of things like, you know, price fixing and collusion, like these are big no-nos, but like, if you put a bunch of big wigs in a room at a fancy resort or something like that i mean that might happen so you have to remind them like you we cannot do that or we'll get into into serious trouble um but there's always some way like around some of these things so you think of safety is a good example because like who can who can who who would not be in favor of creating more safe practices or safe products or safe manufacturing processes Mm. um and so yeah we need to reduce these injury rates of our products cigarette industry or something right we need to create labels let's all agree to allow some labeling to be on our packages like why would the members ever agree to to put labels on the page increases the cost well if you do that it's the care to the government right where they they may force it upon us and we won't be able to control the label sizing but that little bit of extra investment for those labels increases the barrier of entry for newcomers. So you're effectively creating a market barrier, mm. the de facto market barrier. You can't talk about it in, that, in those terms because that's right, right. illusion, but that's sort of how it's implied. And so it kind of, so they're playing games. So like, they're just constantly trying to like figure out how to like preserve themselves 
with a what seems like a legitimate cause, but at the same time, the variables that uh, are part of that cause will also hurt their competition or the other players that might also get into the into that specific game. Is it, that it is would, that a would make it difficult for them to come in? More difficult, yeah, yeah. more difficult. So, have you been a, following? Sorry, have you been yeah. following this um this whole thing with like Biden like omitting saying Tesla for like the longest time? Were yeah. you aware of that? Yeah. So yeah, totally. like everything yeah. that you just described sort of slightly reminds me of that sort of, especially like the first like 75% of what you were talking about. Is there, and, and there's a lot of like talk in the Tesla community about how GM and Ford are totally in the pocket of the administration. And there's definitely some weird stuff going on in the background that is not allowing that where Biden, you know, views it very um, negative if he says Tesla because of his constituents. And then you got Mary Barra, you know, alongside Biden and saying that they're the leaders like okay so how legitimate is that based on your experience being so close to washington like is that a legitimate statement i mean i look i, I have to say i'm again i'm just the embedded tech guy i deal with their yeah data. yeah, yeah. Of so course. We're gonna, yeah you're not gospel <laughs> so it's like everybody listen actually... to what ernesto's saying <laughs> <laughs> no this um, is just we're just trying to figure it out right we're just trying to see and based on your background yeah, and what you've I mean, seen yeah look they i mean ford and gm have unions they have unions right and the yeah. democrats rely a lot on unions to get out the vote to, to get you know to get union support it's a lot of people um and it's 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 a it's an unfortunate thing because i looked at that in disbelief as well like i still think like how lame can't you also advocate for unions but also create the space for just all EV, all EV manufacturers to like bring them and stop with this. Stop with the. I just, I just think that, you know, that particular speech that Biden was giving. I think he just somebody told them like, hey, don't don't mention Tesla because they're not a union shop. And then mm -hmm. so he just got carried away with just like, oh, he was at the event. He's like getting, you know, he's trying to like they're changing. That she's showing like the new the new the new GM truck, whatever. Uh, yeah, you just sort of there's just no time for especially the president of the country to pay attention to every single thing that's happening. And all he can pay attention to are the the base and the the the, the base that got him into that into that spot. Like he's thinking reelection. He needs their uh, PAC money to come into the campaign. He needs the super PAC money to support, you know, the Democrat, the Democrats in general need that they don't they don't have a good. They're they have they're they have trouble. There's trouble for them getting sufficient funding. Believe it or not, I know some people are probably listening and be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it's not. It's not. Yeah. So the answer, the short answer, is like yes, yes. Ford, GM contribute to these. You know, that's their companies. They contribute and they organize their the the work with their unions and their employees, and they ask their employees and unions to contribute to. Uh, politicians that have um, the their issues on top of mind. Mm -hmm. That that is the key. Like like in 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 Washington, like one of the ways that an association shows value is you host your annual event in Washington D.C. You fly in all your let's say it's a physicians group. You know, 
owners of independent practices. You fly them all in there um, and you tell your lobbyists, hey, tell tell like Senator so-and-so that we're going to have a hundred of their members and they want to hear a little bit. And the lobbyist runs over like we're going to have, a, it'll be real easy. Just come in right at 630, right after you're done working, give a 20 minute speech. Here's the prepared notes. Here's the audience. And, you know, here's what they're mostly interested or motivated by. And I think we'll be able to raise, you know, you know, about 10 or 20, some $5,000 contributions to your pack, your public, yeah. you know, um, your, um, um, uh, yeah, to your pack. The, the, the packs, it's an interesting world there. I don't, and I, this is where I'm definitely out of my league, but it's, it's like you, it, it's like a rate limited method of contributing to the party, to the politician, to, you know, up to $5,000 per individual. You know, so it's a lot of money for me, for you, probably, you know, for for a lot of us. But there's a limit to that. And so what happens is these politicians have to, like, constantly be raising, talking to lots of people. And so if you have a huge union audience at a factory and you set up the whole event and there's going to be like, you know, 2000, 3000 people there, that's a big opportunity to show Mm -hmm. like, hey, I really care about you guys. Can you help me out with some cash? Mm -hmm. You know, make your contributions, donations and so forth. Um, and what happens is the association can then demonstrate the lobbyist demonstrates his six figure salary and goes, look, I got so-and-so to your annual event. And the executive director can stand by and like the members go, well, like we've been contributing our dues to the association. And we feel like there's at least somebody fighting for our cause on, on Capitol Hill. Right. Yeah. But I still, I think that that whole model is sort of is, is in trouble. I'm not the only one. I, I, I've talked to other uh association executives and people they it's it's the 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 vitriol that's happened on congress is a big factor but it's not the only one i think a lot has to do with super PACs. i, I think a lot has to do with just the uh, super PACs is like a different sort of like a pack but it's a different entity where you don't have it rate limits on how much you can contribute mm-hmm. you can write ten thousand dollars a million dollars you know how you can give all your life savings to a super PAC and then the super PAC can spend it in any way they, you know, that you, you could be in part of the committee. You could be part of the super PAC committee and direct how you're going to spend that money against or for some issue. There's no limits. The, the, the only thing is that the super PAC can't do is coordinate with the politician or with the political party. Hmm. So they can't say, Hey, I raised $2 million in the super PAC. I can only give you 5K to your pack, but I raised $2 million. How do you want us to spend this money to help you win re-election? They can't do that. The way they get around it is the super PAC goes, um, okay, I see that you need help getting the vote out in this particular region. So we're going to hire a bunch of volunteers and we're going to go get the vote out for you, dear politician. It's like an extension arm, basically, of the politician. Yeah, we're going to publish it on our website. We're not going to even talk to the politician. We're never going to communicate. We're never going to coordinate. That's the key. We're not going to because that would run against federal uh, election laws. But what's stopping them from coordinating before they actually do that, right? Like, could that all that stuff? But they don't have to. They don't have to. They just publish it. And then the camp, the, the, uh, the campaign people keep track of what all those guys are doing. They're like, great. We don't have to cover the state of Iowa. We can now go. Uh, I see. Problem solved. And so what happens? So, 
So, you know, to give you a sense of how much money is, be, I, I looked this up and it was, it's something like they're expecting $13 billion to be spent in the uh, 2022 campaign cycle. Oh God. <laughs> that is, by the way, nearly the amount of money we're going to give Ukraine to help deal with holy and that's for that's not even for the president that's just for the senate and like house and senate and all the other stuff right so that's not even presidential right i think it's a, i think it's just general i didn't quite get general, general like yeah. um, okay. but it's 13 yeah. billion i mean it's just an that's astronomical insane. amount of, of money that's just dumped in there because there's no caps anymore there's no limits there's no like you know there was only a certain amount of money you can give to each politician and every part and it had a cap and so at a certain point if you were really wealthy group or wealthy individual there's only so much there's only i can't give it a, it can't get any i can't stuff any more money yeah. in there. so yeah. the super PAC and thanks to citizens united and the you know um the supreme court's you know judgment yeah they they open that up so they, so that's why i think like this whole like dog and pony show of the association bringing in the congressperson and generating a few like that's like that's like the old school way that's just dwindling these lobbyists the the attorneys around that it just it's not it's not the same um and the vitriol on the federal level has really pushed a lot of efforts towards state state stuff so they go into mm. states where you can actually have more measurable potential impact or even even you know smaller community efforts right a lot of money is and efforts being being put into that just kind of giving up on on the fed side um, or on the regulations, so sort of like engaging with the actual, like the EPA or whatever, like as they come up with new uh, re regulations, trying to help shape it in one direction or another. I mean, like mm -hmm. one little bit of regulation worded a certain way could spell millions and millions of dollars for an industry one way or the other. So right. it's like it's it's like this sort of like needle threading over periods of years and nothing is certain. So how does an association executive and staff and the lobbyists and everybody like justify their efforts? And it's hard, but one of the ways they do it, and I'll give you a quick story on this one, but yeah. one of the ways they do it, which is weird to me, um, but makes sense. I'll give you the story of the footwear world. So um, there's a different conversation I have with them, but there, so there's an association for, for, for shoe distributors and manufacturers of our, our shoes. And so picture this, something like well over 90% of our shoes are made overseas. Mm -hmm. They're made in, mostly in China. Um, and so that's kind of a problem because like if China decided to like hurt us, they could just say, all right, we're not making shoes anymore. Yeah, yeah we're all running <laughs> And there's barefoot. nobody here that knows how to make <laughs> shoes. So you better duck and that's like, And they own a lot more than shoes, right? That's like a problem that we could face with a bunch of stuff, but that's a topic oh, for a yeah, different but day. The, yeah. That's just yeah. one of them, right? Yeah. So this is this small association whose biggest member was Nike. Um, basically, all they did was talk about tariffs and weird regulations. Like they had weird old tariffs in the books, like women's shoes get charged more for some reason mm. than like, you know, tennis shoes or something like mm. this. They're constantly trying to like get that approved. But one of the biggest pieces of legislation that they had going was this thing. I don't know if you heard TPP trans Pacific. Yeah, yeah. So that back was back in the, in the Bill Clinton days, right? Yeah. Or before. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Before 11 countries, including Vietnam, they were in, in like uh, Australia, the United States. They were going to create this like pact between them all, kind of like a, a free lower the barriers to trade 
and we're going to be able to exchange. And then hopefully we don't have to manufacture all our shoes in China. We can do them in Vietnam or other places where the cost of labor is, is, is paired to what happens in China. Right. Yeah. Um, so as you can imagine, you're dealing with countries now, not never mind like a little industry and your trade association, the polemics around that, or, or your country's like national issues. You're dealing with entire countries, regions trying to figure this out. I mean, it's like a decade of effort just to get to the point where you think you have something that everybody could sign and pass in their legislature. Oh, like, it's mm-hmm. just an amazing amount of work. And Trump gets elected and you would think, you know, Trump being conservative guy or whatever, big money guy, you would think he would be like, ah, great. There's millions of dollars are going to be made doing this kind of trade. No, um, on the contrary, I think because the type of more populist position he had, he just went and just like nixed the whole trade deal. He said, Mm -hmm. we're not going to join it. Mm -hmm. So there went a decade of work. And this footwear group that I've been making, I was helping to make a podcast and they have, they still do a a successful podcast um, come in and like, you know, they're not too beaten up about it. But I feel like it's a touchy subject. And I was like, so how, <laughs> what are you guys going to do now at TBP? And like one of the guys looked at me, he's like, oh, well, yeah, we're on the defense now. Mm. That's it. They, it's like the, the attitude is they were pushing, pushing, pushing to make this deal happen. Be one of the voices on Capitol Hill saying this is going to be great for our industry. It's going to make it's going to help us, you know, reduce our reliance on China. Overnight, I gets all thrown out. So they go back to the association. It's not a loss. It's a, but we kept it from getting worse. You know, mm. we've been here advocating for your issues. And it, it's true. They don't, they're not in control of what the president did there. That mm-hmm. It happened. But they can flip the switch and make the case that if the association isn't there, if they're not contributing their dues, then things could get a lot worse than just losing TPP. Like mm. other things could come down the pipe. So we got to go on the defense now. We got to start thinking, you know, creatively of like, where's the next potential threat to our businesses? And so mm. effectively the association gets to weave this in-between line, depending crisis to crisis to crisis, right? Mm. So it's like kind of like, see. yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I, you would, I always thought like these, these like executive directors, CEOs were like the titans of industry. They had like, they, they had a clear understanding of the industry needs, a clear understanding of where they need to go. Yeah. Um, what has to happen. And if there was a big problem, you go to the big guy, you know? Yeah. This is far from the reality. The reality yeah. is they're not the big guy. They're just the orc. They're trying to organize, orchestrate some consensus. Yeah, they're steering the ship towards where the team is like they're they're taking recommendations from the team and other voices and then they're kind of trying to make a decision. Okay, this is the direction we should go just based on all the data that we've gathered. Based At least that's what, what I've seen. Yes, yeah. based on the members, based on what the yeah. board wants, based yeah. on like if we go this direction, how it might not upset as many members. We might not lose. We'll lose a couple of members here, but won't lose the best. So right, all, right. all the positions are like watered down and there's like, they're just, you know, um, yeah. Suboptimal. Not yeah. yeah. Suboptimal, which is very cute. Like if, if I, that's such a fascinating sort of story you just went through, because if I compare that, like say the thing I'm closest to is like something like a Tesla, for example, right. Who appears to be like counter to that. That appears that they're just doing whatever the, you know, whatever the fuck they want essentially, you know, and you know, uh, politicians be damned. And there's been a very clear, like almost disdain towards sort of that, um, world of like 
like lobbyism or trying to get certain uh, uh, teams or groups on your side to achieve your goal. It seems like Tesla is just doing it their own way. I don't really care. But but as you were talking through, the thing that really jumped out to me was, you know, and this is kind of also based on your comment of like, you know, I think over time the the FUD might get worse, you know, for, for, for Tesla is like, you know, you gave us a really good insight into how a lot of those relationships work. So in the event... So in the event that, say, your Ford and your GMs and your companies that are in America that have supposedly pretty strong lobbying power and are uh, within, you know, they're pretty entrenched within government, if they start to fail, okay, if they start getting into a situation where your Ford is no longer generating profit because they haven't been able to p pivot fast enough to electric cars and you have your GM that's going through the same exact thing, like I, I, what I'm very curious to see is how is how much louder and how much more aggressive the tone gets in government either towards a movement towards EV or anti-Tesla. Because we already kind of saw, you know, with the recent happenings with, with, with Biden and sort of that administration is that, you know, the omission of Tesla wasn't necessarily anti-Tesla. It was very like pro-GM and, and yeah. pro-Ford. Like like Exactly. But do you like I'm curious, like I'm very curious to see if it's going to be like reversed the, the deeper we go into it, where the government because yeah. the other thing I'm thinking about, too, is like, OK, you have Elon Musk, who's this, you know, the richest person in the world. And if Tesla continues to grow and grow, you know, that person in that company is going to gain even more and more influence, per se, because, you know, that you have a market cap of, you know, it could be the largest company in the world. It, it's already the richest person in the world who's going to become even richer. And then you have these weird dynamics that depending what kind of um, what kind of uh uh, person or, or or administrations running the government, those things can be viewed very negatively. You know, oh Tesla's monopolizing. Oh Elon Musk is a uh, is a dirty billionaire. He doesn't care about working people, right? Yeah. So I'm like curious, like what is the likelihood that the government straight up just turns negative against Tesla? They're like, you know, kind of like with Amazon, because I feel like that. I don't know if you agree, but like there's yeah. a certain tone with Amazon where Amazon bad. I believe one of the warehouses just unionized uh, yesterday or today. So like, how, how do you see that playing out? Because to me, it, that's one of the things I'm afraid of is like the government just straight up turns negative on on something like a Tesla, where in like, and they go pro yeah. everything else because of how much, because of that dynamic. I don't know, I don't know if I'm I mean, talking crazy now, but. I mean, I think it's already happening. <laughs> I think it's already happening. Like I, I um, you know, there's lots of signals in the noise of all this that I pick up on, like Ford coming out. Through the noise. Saying, through the noise. Ford coming out and saying that they're going to have two companies, one for their ICE companies and one for their EVs. And then the guy looking straight in the camera going, but we're not going to stop investing in ICE engines. We're definitely going to. Mm, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of gave me that weird. No, you're you're like. If I was thinking rationally about the potential and knowing that the days are numbered for ICE vehicles, no matter what it is that we do and the future is uncertain, I'm thinking having two entities is setting it up to be like sell the assets, get yeah. rid of it at some point in the future and refocus this thing. That's how I would interpret that. And the guy saying, looking on the camera and telling you, the CEO telling you that they're not going to stop investing. I'm like, ah. I don't know. That sound that's that's a weird one to me, right? Mm -hmm. um, I've done. I've felt like you know. I've I, I got for, Washington D.C. is full of full of Democrats here, um, uh, and I've been surprised when I brought up 
you know, for for a little while, I was definitely bringing up Elon a lot. Probably, probably <laughs> too much to some friends, but I was surprised by how quick uh, some friends have like already a, a knee jerk reaction towards Elon as a person, as a personality, and uh, lack of you know understanding of the the the, the technology the 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 challenge that it took to even get there, right? They have mm. like no, they don't have a deep understanding of what's happened in that story. So they don't really, they can't mesmerize at it. Like this is amazing what's actually been accomplished so far, right? But the road's not clear yet. I mean, I think of all the engineers and all the people working at Tesla, you know, they, they're focused on technology and driving, you know, the solution has to be, this has to be, and we got to turn this fleet of cars over. Like we have to globally, not just in the U S. Um, but like any group that's like highly engineering focused, tech focused, they're not necessarily thinking comms. They're not thinking legislative. They're not thinking they're not, you know, it's, it, it, it happened to every, like I remember when it was a big deal when Microsoft first opened up their uh, an office here in, in Washington D.C. years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Well after Microsoft was getting a lot of negative attention for being so aggressive uh, with you know with like I remember back in the day like you could start a company write a piece of software on the Microsoft platforms like Windows ninety five and older right yeah and you it, it, if it did if it did even a little you know, a bit of money on it. You could get a call from Microsoft and be like, hey, we want to buy you out. We want to buy that thing. And if you said no to whatever price they were offering, then they'd be like, okay, but we're just going to make it then. And then you'd be out of business. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. leverage that they had was just so outsized. So outsized. It was so it felt like so eventually some of that starts to trickle in. Hey, Microsoft, you can't be doing that. Oh, shit. Okay, well, we got to put some lobbyists to tell them why we like (laughs) get the right narrative. That's the wrong narrative. We're helping the the little, you know. So in other words, a tech company develops something, they they it becomes disruptive, the potential and the scale so significant. And then suddenly they're the target. And then that's usually when they go out creating you know, finding out that they have to have a presence here. They have to have mm. something. Um, you know, I think I think uh, Tesla's like part of an alliance, Zeta Alliance or something. There's all the EVs like Rivian. There's like a little association of of EV cars. And I think that like we can make this argument where um, Tesla has the money to defend themselves, defend their interest in Oklahoma. That that exists. Yeah. But my concern is that there's not enough other than Reddit and Twitter and YouTube and like awesome people that are out there defending Tesla's reputation. I mean, there's not a group necessarily representing the sort of like the retail investor that the, 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 the people, the pat, the fans, or the, I guess, Tesla bros. I hate to use that term. It's not the the community, the family, the the Tesla community. Right. There's, there's the communication effort existing on its own organically, there's the, the 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 righteous cause associated with like the technology does it, it is viable it is it does exist it does work it's going to scale it's going to change everything like that all exists and it's the right thing to do we have to do it you know yeah. somebody has to do it somebody has to do it right um and if we wait for government to get around to changing the parameters of of you know how much carbon 
we can, you know, industries can generate it. We're going to be waiting for a long time. There's just no time to, to wait, but like, there's no, what I'm seeing is there's no response from a group that's making, trying to make, should make sure or should work at making sure that people don't throw grit into the transition. So mm. by that, I mean, we need to companies like Tesla, even though they have the richest man in the world, they have billions of dollars, they still need help because they're the target. That's everyone's pointing at them and they're coming at any which way they can get to. First, it was media about the technology or their ability to actually create a viable car. Then it's about safety concerns or batteries burning. I mean, like the battery one is even the craziest to me because yeah. it's like there's no fire in the battery car. <laughs> like there's 2000 degree fire with a box of like bomb bomb level amount of fuel behind it. Like yeah. and everybody drives that without any issues. And all the articles never cite statistics around that. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. But it's like. Um, it's like this guy, this, this, this uh, state Senator in Oklahoma, like he goes out, he puts the bill together in a committee quietly putting crafting this thing, how we're going to protect the, uh, our dealerships with like this movement, this, this thing that's coming in Tesla. And then they pass it. And then somehow some reporter covers that bill's passage out of committee that cycles up into the national news like oh look tesla's about you know because anything that could impact the stock Tesla right the pull out of oklahoma um all of that has happened without any real back pressure like like if there was a you know this is again out of my league if there was a super PAC around sure. supporting efforts to move things quicker to, to transition faster there could be an effort around that where you see that in a committee and then you fund a communication campaign around, hey, we're here too. And it's yeah. not Tesla. It's a bunch of other people, the community, right? Like I, yeah. I think that's needed because I mean, you know, there's there's probably listeners on your on your show that are sitting on like six, seven, I know eight figure sums of money that it's been a windfall. They got in lucky with Tesla. They follow this. They love the, the, and they're, they're wondering what they can do with that. Well, that's what you do. You sure get together, yeah. organize, create something that there's some back pressure, something that'll make that politician think, wait a minute, is there a group that I would really piss off that would then try to unseat me or work, you know, do something to grind up my political aspirations in this particular space if we push this along? It might not do anything to that particular effort, but there needs to be something that can get into the news cycle that shows that there's a community here that's wider, much larger, organized, Mm. interested in making sure that this transition happens as fast as possible you know what's really interesting about that dynamic is that what what at least what i've observed and i I don't necessarily disagree with you but i i think what's really interesting is that tesla has been able to essentially go as fast as they humanly can already without any help but i think the the transition of everybody else is really what is is way more important here because there could be a you know, there could be a, a scenario here where, say, you know, 
Ford and GMs and everyone else's incentives to move to EVs is 100% going to be profit driven. And it does seem like now they're finally recognizing that, hey, like if we don't do something about this EV thing, we're probably potentially could go out of business or we're losing out on a piece of the pie that's not happening. But what, what I'm very interested to see is that say, you know, what I found at least from my you know, having followed the company for as long as I did and and so on and so forth. What's really interesting about the Tesla community is that, um, and anyone who disagrees with me, put it in the comments below, is that I think that there is a lot of us that think that Tesla doesn't need that help, that they don't need that help because so far they've yeah. been able to make it happen. You know, uh, yeah. you think about, uh, literally, like I said before, like they're, they're going balls to the wall and they're so freaking demand constrained that it doesn't really matter. They could probably still grow into their demand for the next, you know, 10 years or so. And there doesn't need to be uh, anything to help Tesla get any, you know, positive press or some positive relationships from the government because, you know, they are, they've already done it. They're going to keep doing it. People that want to buy Tesla, is, it, they already know that and, and they're going to buy the Tesla. But, but Tesla can only make so many cars. <laughs> so like in a situation where say Tesla is making, like this is where my, where my head really goes to, this is where I get really concerned is like, even if Tesla were to make 20 million cars a year, which is twice as much as the current biggest automaker right now. I think Toyota right now makes 10 million and Tesla's plans are to get to 20 million by 2030. That's great. So Tesla is going to get to 2030. But what about the other 80 million cars that get produced every single year? Where are those cars? You know, I think that's where that's where that sort of shift in tone um, from from that perspective or the drive from from having a voice in government or having a voice there that says every single freaking automaker needs to go to EV yesterday and we need to secure a supply chain that's locally sourced so that we're not dependent on another country you watch this whole russia craziness that's been happening with ukraine and showing how some a place like germany for example is so freaking dependent on russia's oil to run their country what we don't want us to be in a situation in is that we're transitioning to electric vehicles, yet we start repaint this picture again where we have to be incredibly dependent on a separate power who may not potentially have our best interest in mind long term. So that's where I see this this going, that sort of this valuable discussion and this uh, sort of thing in government to try and create that voice is like everyone else needs to jump on board. And perhaps, who knows, maybe in five years time, we, we may have a, a sort of dynamic where there are voices that are anti-Tesla or for some reason, Tesla falls out of favor or God forbid, you know, say something happens to Elon and he's no longer at the company and, um, you know, for whatever reason, and then say Tesla's for some reason struggling to gain that market share that we're looking to do. And now if you have all these uh, voices against Tesla, that could cause a problem. So that's where I definitely could see having a, a loud, prominent voice in, in government or in those sort of environments could be very helpful for the overall mission. Because, you know, GM and Ford, they're not, they're not really, they may seem like they are talking the game about going electrification, but they're not really carrying the baton like a Tesla is, you know, and trying to encourage them to do that is is I think very important. No, I think the most outspoken CEO was the Stellantis group guy who was saying like, we, he, like he was saying, I think it was Herbert Deese from VW. He well, was, yeah. He, oh yeah. Herbert. Yes. Yes. But the one yeah. that actually shared his disdain for the fact that they're asking to do the impossible was mm. Stellantis. Like he's the one going, the rate of change and the investment that we have to do to flip this is ridiculous, right? He's, people are pressuring him. Like, you got to do something, right? Like you can you yeah. see it out of it in the way he communicated that, that, that thing. And I, I, I just, you look, this is, 
this is a huge workforce that's going to be impacted on every level, dealerships, parts distributors, service stations. Yeah. I mean, the entire the supply energy, chain is going to get disrupted. Like you think you think Tesla has great cash flow? Well, <laughs> not if they have to take on all of those countering efforts against him. And at first it's been like, ah, eh, it's just like this little toy company making the roast or whatever, right? 10 years ago, 14 years ago, whatever. Now it's like, oh, well, they're making good profit. Hmm. Maybe we should do a little bit, but in the future it's going to be, oh shit. We, we can't even get there. Hmm. That's the threat to our business. We have to, you know, and then it's like major push to do something that like just grinds that to down if you can if you can just throw rocks in front of the leading the lead pack to yeah. slow down in a race they'll slow down so that you can catch up and then you can show how great and innovative you were as well right and like they have the access because they've been investing in that access yeah. and they they've been playing the, the game for a while yeah. yeah so i'm not saying that that like you know, I don't, you know, I don't know where the future is going to go, but what I'm, what I'm advocating or what I would say to like anybody that's curious is like, it's not that hard actually to get your voice out there. You don't have to hire a lot of, you know, expensive lobbyists in Washington DC to start knocking doors for you on Capitol Hill or any of that. Like that game is, is dwindling away. That's not, they're not even as effective. They're struggling just to show the value to their, their best, the best healed, you know, association trade associations in the country. Like they're, they struggle. It's, it's on the side of like at state level, it's on the side at the County level. That's where a lot of impact can happen real quick. Hmm. And it's on the side of like communications, like, not just tweeting, but like paying to play, boosting those tweets. And forget like op-eds even. It's not even there. It's just getting messaging, communications. That's sort of like, that's the world. And that's why that's what super PACs are doing. Getting the, getting the vote out on a, like you, like I would, I have this, like I watched um, Promised Land with Matt Damon and Francis, uh, I forgot her name, but there's a kind of a, a way of, if you watch that movie, you get it, you get a sense of how, something like the way the big guys can play games, but that game is available too. And it's not that I don't want to give away the, the premise of the, of the movie, <laughs> spoiler but, spoiler alert, right? <laughs> but, but there's this pot, there's a, there's, a, there's the opportunity to let's say at, you know, with like, I keep picking on this poor guy. I mean, he's doing, but, but he's doing the Senator there in, in Oklahoma is doing it for his constituency. He's advocating for it because he thinks it's right. But, you know, hire 10, 20 kids, put, give them all a T-shirt uniform and start canvassing right around the district office. Yeah. And you want, you know, you want a nice view. You want the district staff to go, wait, who are these people walking around collecting signatures? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're from the new, we're like the Tesla Bros Alliance. We're here to, you know, we... We don't appreciate what your, what your broke. boss is doing, and uh, <laughs> we're going to start. That... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Call, don't call yeah. it that. Call it yeah. But, but you want to be yeah. like it could. That could be a strategy to show, hey, oh, we 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 poked the bear of the retail investor community of the Tesla world that understands that this is essential. Like this thing yeah. that's happening has to continue, and that might be enough to then cycle up into the news to create to make sure other politicians don't 
stay so one singly biased perspective and then start going if i if i pick this fight i'm gonna get not just a bunch of reddit comments and twitter but i'm actually gonna get some canvassers and i'm gonna they got there's a super pack there's they're you know they're doing i don't know much about them i don't have time but i know that they exist suddenly that yeah. starts to change that then then the politician has to start hedging back to their constituents going like i understand that you big concern about tesla blah blah but we have to figure out a way to move forward in fact that's what he came out recently talking about his legislation as like you know I, he said something like i'm paraphrasing totally but he said something like um I'm just trying to bring this issue to the table so that we can have this bring everybody in to have this hard conversation. He's only saying that because he probably got a bunch of people online spamming his office, calling yeah. him, going, "What are you doing?" You know, he didn't know that probably even existed. You know, he mm. probably didn't even thought of it. He just mm. thought Tesla's the bad guy, Elon's crazy, and gosh darn it, I got to protect the, our interests here. You know, yeah, my, my yeah. buddy down the street, he owns a few dealerships. And he's concerned. And so I got to do something, right? He, there's no back pressure right now other than after the fact, after the bill got out of committee, after gotcha. a bill works its way up, right? Yeah. So what's really that, interesting about the Tesla community is that they seem to be very like good at organically sort of um, coming together for a cause if it appears existential. So like the, the entire reason why yeah. the, the YouTube community and sort of like, I really started seeing this happen in, in like 2017, 2018, especially like into 2019, like especially into 2019 and 2018 was when the FUD was at a peak. Like it was freaking, mm. I tell the On story the all the time. right? Was mostly yeah. the FUD directed at like the, the car, the, the- Everything, dude. Cars okay. gonna explode, you know, batteries are faulty. They're gonna go bankrupt. Elon's crazy. Everyone's unhappy. There is a bad work practices every single day. Like literally, I remember there was like, I don't even, it felt like forever. It was probably like six months, probably longer, but like I would come home after working, you know, 12 to 14, 16 hours in a day, freaking exhausted. I would come home and then I would like open up my texts and I would see like messages from friends and families like, hey, did you see this article? I really think you should sell your stock and leave the company because it looks like the company is not going to succeed. So I'm like, okay, that's that's nice to come home to. <laughs> All the work that I'm putting in. 2019, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. That was the time when I was mostly doing the non I was talking to the corn growers guys. Okay, yeah. so when, like climate change is fucking our business. I mean, so we, yeah. Sorry, just F-bombed on your show. But anyway, no, you're good. I've um, done it okay. twice already. I, I'll okay. put it explicit warning i'm not against cursing i think i anyway but uh i think uh but but what was really fascinating was seeing the sort of the very organic natural support that uh the community started like uh, like all these youtubers started coming out of nowhere all these twitter folks started coming out of nowhere all the forums really started um creating a lot of different incentives to try and um, sort of debunk a lot of the crap that was said. So like anytime an article will come out that was, you know, proper bullshit, you would have like these efforts in, in the Twitter yeah. space and on the internet and through YouTube where people are like debunking what's going on. One of, one of the earlier ones I can remember is uh, there's this channel called uh, Tesla Daily. It's run by, by a person, Rob Maurer. He's been doing it for oh, I think four great. or five years. He's, he's so good. Shout great. out to Rob Maurer. Open I mean, invitation, I, that's the, the one way. I recommend to anybody who doesn't yeah. know anything about Tesla. I'll be like, oh, yeah, check this guy, Rob. Yeah, he he will he will bring you up this. He's great. Me. He's so good. And and one yeah. of the things he did was one of the premises that he had was like, hey, I'm just going to start, you know, here are all the articles that are happening that are going on right now that are not 
true that I was talking about Tesla and then the angle of the channel is hey I'm going to sit down and sort of give insight into what's actually happening like I'm actually going to tell the real story so it's it's very interesting how that bubbled up but it bubbled up in a, in a time where it it almost needed to bubble up because the attacks were so vicious and it happened every single day stock price was down Tesla's going to go bankrupt. Elon says something weirdly funny on Twitter. Elon is shouldn't be tweeting because he's crazy. He's losing his mind. You know, a, a sm small miss on a profitability thing. Oh, Tesla is not keeping their promises. You know, Model 3 ramp is late. Oh, it's proof that Tesla's going to go bankrupt. Like every fucking day something was coming out. So I'm really curious to see the existential nature of, of sort of the dynamic that we talked about. But also what I'm really like... Oh, before we keep going, are you still good on time? I know we're yeah, a little plenty. over an hour now. Keep okay, going. cool. No, keep going. Yeah. Cool, cool. So I think one one of the things that that also really interesting is like one of the things I could see play out is say Tesla, you know, say say Tesla continues its growth trajectory, which I believe they will. But say Ford and GM aren't able to catch up, and then you have one of the one of the developing things that's happening. I don't know if if you've been sort of keeping up on this, but China is building some legitimate legitimate mm. electric vehicle car makers and they're not they haven't been really secret about secretive about this but they're going to look to sell those cars here in the states right yeah, so one of the like things 30 companies something like that i heard 30 companies like it's yeah. a real industry at that point over there right like yeah so i'm i'm curious yeah. like in the event that say what if the what if the gap that's left by ford and gm is filled by a foreign automaker and it's just tesla remaining and they're the only legitimate american automaker you know like how how do you see that sort of dynamic playing out in this case or do you even see that as a potential dynamic do you think that there's enough in place to prevent that from happening i'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that because that's one of my legitimate fears is that that america goes from I mean, three to four automakers to just one because the other guys aren't able to shift gears fast enough i don't know i mean you know uh, the, the debt load that GM and Ford, each of them carry, um, is amazing. It's just like, how do you, how, how are they going to retool all their factories for everybody? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I just think there will be consolidation. There'll be some merger acquisition. For, for, you know, for setting it up. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say because it's like it's very possible. And at some point, if something really happens where a, a couple of these uh, big guys implode and, you know, too big to fail, that's not really true anymore. Right. That financial world, that, 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 you know, that was uh, um, certainly apparent that it can happen. Um, yeah. Well, then we're going to have to get a bunch of cars from China to keep, keep turning over the fleet that we have. I, I don't know. I, I just see that this definitely plays into national security concerns. You know, um, I think what Tesla is doing is just remarkable and they can keep, you should just keep focusing on making as many cars as they possibly can as in my yeah. opinion. But I, we need like the, the crisis you pointed out just a moment ago, where in 2008, 2019, the FUD started to reach high. And then it motivated all these guys that were more just consuming the information to start, you know, generating content back. That's exactly the, a, a good crisis does, shouldn't go to waste in the sense right. that that is exactly what has to happen. And in addition to it, you have to continue to organize because that, the din of that may have 
gone down a bit. It certainly, pro- you know, when Tesla reached profitability, everybody's like, oh shit, this is real. Yeah. Um, but um, but it doesn't mean they can't happen again. And to the extent that these larger legacy automakers start to really face existential crisis, they're going to spend, they're going to shift their $100 million marketing a year budgets towards, what do you think? Slowing down Tesla any possible way, creating market barriers anywhere they can get them and just get real nasty about it. And I think that we, you want to have an organized approach, not just the Twitterati, sorry, Twitter guys, I just, <laughs> not just the Twitterati, you know, type in in all caps of how unfair it all is, but an actual concerted group organizing on a strategic mission. I mean, you got to go, you got to go the association plan here. You got to go through that. You got to, you don't ever want to like, it wouldn't really help if you got a bunch of attack ads on in Oklahoma, because in some ways you might be creating the crisis for that Senator, that, that congressperson to go back to his base and say, Hey, see, they're all attacking me. They're coming at me. I need more money from you. In other words, like the, the counter response could be worse, right? Yeah. Then, then the, you don't attack directly. You have a strategic plan and you go around the flanks and you create communication, organized communication efforts and getting out the votes in a way that signals that you're there, but you're willing yeah. to still like, you know, so that they don't go too crazy with their efforts of protecting their dealerships model. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's, there's a key, there's a, uh, and this isn't me. I don't know how to do that. Like you hire yeah. pros that do that kind of stuff and suggest the right approaches, but it comes down to what those goals are. But what I can say is that I don't, I don't, you know, I'm worried because I think it's going to get a lot worse than it's mm-hmm. before it gets any better. Yeah. The more successful, um, you know, Tesla becomes with their products and, and their ability to deliver. I mean, shoot, if they crack, you know, fully automated driving, they crack yeah. that nut. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing. You'll have electric cars that you have to drive or you'll get an electric car that you don't have to drive. Which car do you want? You know, right. at that point. Right. Right. So, exactly. And, yeah, and, that- and who knows how long it'll take to get to make that thing happen really fully. But it, it, yeah. they're making clear progress. Yeah. It, for it, it to be like truly mass produced and for it to be like ubiquitous and everywhere, it's going to take still going to take a long time, at least yeah. a decade. Right. At least. But but even then, like one of the things you said that was super fascinating for me, it's kind of ironic, is that, you know, in the event where Ford and GM really have to start throwing rocks at Tesla to try and slow them down, that opens the door for the national security issue to open up. And that's where China can swoop in and take all the sales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, maybe that's, gonna... <laughs> and maybe that's really the issue, because if you just sort of say, if you if you craft your narrative, hey, we shouldn't be throwing rocks at Tesla because we need to transition to help the environment. Maybe yeah. that doesn't have the great, great enough, you know, umph to, oh no, but China might then, you know, the China narrative might be more effective. Right. And so like, you gotta, you gotta stress test some of that. You gotta organize around that and really see who, who listens to it at the end of the day, like associations usually have like a lobbyist for the Republicans, a lobbyist for the Democrats, the Democrats go out and they lobbyists talk about health impacts and, you know, uh, you know, low, low income job growth or, you know, those kinds of things that sort of, you know, children, you know, kind of like the hard stuff, they, they yeah. leverage that in those discussions, but then the same issues 
are change are just sort of changed to then go with a conservative point of view, the impact yeah. to the local economy, the growth of business, the innovation, and of course, China. China can go like, I mean, that's an off, that seems like an awesome switch to consider. And I, right. and I, I know for sure most people don't understand how much more, um, you know, the, 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 the auto market and how vast that auto market in China is growing like our guys are still, they're just getting along. They're just got, GM just opened up one factory. Like we should have, they should have had 10 of them by now. Yeah. What, what, what is going on? Obviously it's the incumbents. They had a model. They they're stuck in their habits. They had a, they have, you know, pensions and unions and they, yeah. there's just that, that thing that, that, yeah. Um, it's so interesting too, because if you even talk to like the wider public, like the thing that I, still to this day that I hear like it's it's still not most people still don't believe that you know this transition is actually legitimately happening and I it's think that's hard, part it's of, hard to wrap your head around it it is at first. so it's almost like creating awareness around that discussion I think it's going to be extremely important because you know try going to a to a street you know to a street corner at a random street corner and talk to the first hundred people and ask them like okay do you think the transition to electric vehicles is going to happen yeah it's probably going to happen you know half of them will say that the other half will say nope gas cars forever and then of the ones that you ask okay the EV you know transition how long do you think it's going to take oh I think it's going to take like 30 years you know it's going to take a while I don't think it's, you know, because there's so many cars on the road and stuff. But the truth is, if you just take a, you know, if you look at today's trends and just compare them to previous um, adoption curves for every single other technology that has ever happened on the history of the earth, this is going to be a 10 to, to 15 year transition. This ain't going to be a 30 to 40 year transition. And unless there's players truly ready to really make that transition happen yesterday, it will not happen. It will just not happen. And, and that leaves so much room open for, like we talked about, like those other companies from overseas to come in. But I think I think it's all rooted in the fact that I think people still don't believe this is happening. You know, people still don't believe like the the mass, you know, they might be fans of Tesla, they're fans of Elon, they're fans of the cars. But like that whole bigger picture of like, this is going to completely change the dynamics of, of of the industry and how the world operates and the supremacy of a country like, you know, I don't necessarily have anything against China, but I know that this is going to open the door very widely for China to come in and essentially become one of the and, biggest, if not the biggest player in, auto, in, in the automobile industry in the world, unless there's other people coming in, filling in the gap. And Tesla can only go so fast. Tesla can only go right. so fast. Short of them literally just becoming as big as Ford and GM combined, plus Tesla, plus, you know, Stellantis, you know, which is, I don't know how many million cars a year they'll have to make at that point. Like this is leaving the leaving the door open for another player to come in. And I think longer term, if I'm going to think, okay, so how does like, what is it? What is a serious, what is a serious thing that can happen for us as a country is like, we start losing that manufacturing capability that we've been losing for the longest time. And this is just yet another thing that's happening where, because we were so slow to understand this sort of mm. overall play that we've essentially given up our lead entirely. And this people have been talking about this. Yeah. I don't know if you follow Sandy Monroe, but you know, he's um he's an engineer on on Tesla. Yeah, he's I've been seen around. some seen some of his breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. But he's talked yeah. about this. He's talked about how there's like, you know, uh, automakers in China that are legitimate, they're gonna be legitimate players, you know, longer term. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's it's weird. It's such a weird China, time. China has, I mean, China has just sheer numbers of people. Like, I, I right. don't remember who I was talking to. I think like city planners, something like, I don't know if uh, these numbers don't make any sense. Probably. I don't quite remember. I remember like somebody said, yeah, you know, in the U S we make, we, we graduate like, uh, you know, 3000 city planners a year, you know, for, you know, people that know how to plan a city, make it Mm -hmm. more better for everybody. Um, but in China it's like 300,000, like like the, the, the order of magnitude of more brains. Now you might say, Hey, we have better education, technology first. Well, yeah, yeah. You can keep telling yourselves that, right. but you know, they're hungry too. So yeah, exactly. they're working at it and they're clearly making, you know, gains in all kinds of directions just on the sheer numbers of p- available people. Right. So right. We, we like basically th- that this whole discussion you, you just brought up and what Sandy just brought up, this is the pitch deck that you go in to, conservative politicians and be like hey you gotta you can't just but there's no way but there's no way they're gonna buy that though like it's this is such a like a it feel it feels so long term you know you gotta have somebody that can paint that picture for them right like you gotta have that you gotta have that's the that's the that's the that's the work that's the work that's the that's the effort that's like mm-hmm. existing as an entity in on on some level and organizing around that and then calling ahead and standing up and showing your little pitch deck and their perspective and what it means to their district that's the other thing they don't actually end up caring too much about the rest of the world if you can't link it to what it means to the specific district that you that you have like you're worried about tessa what you should be worried about is the you know one of these 30 other companies that are eventually we're gonna have we're gonna have to convert right but i mean part of the challenge is that there's so many possible directions threats can come to just slowing the ev growth right never mind tesla but just in general that it's hard to picture where you would want and so you gotta have some people you gotta have some people on staff under a nonprofit. I mean, there's some out there here and there, but I didn't see that many. Like I, I went, like I went to Open Secrets website and I was like, well, let me look at like what's what packs are there that cover, you know, you know, this stuff. And you know, you have all your utilities. Utilities have packs. You have you have obviously your fuel, and then you have your alternative fuel companies, ethanol, corn, and so forth. But that's just like plain like footsies in the, in the direction of transition. Like yeah. we really need to get, and, and there's going to be a real hard conversation about in the future, bringing nuclear power back because yes. we got to upgrade the grid to deal with everyone plugging their cars in and we need a lot more power Yeah, and we need it in a way that's concentrating those externalities. You can't just, you just can't burn it and just dump it in the air. You just can't, right? Like, you, yeah. We have to have that conversation, and that's a that's a tough one. But I've ha- I've had the nuclear, uh, the I forgot the name of it, but I had the nuclear association on the show, and they've started to notice that finally they're getting their due. They're getting some attention they didn't get before. Good. The people are opening up to the well. What is the current state of the situation there? Right, like what what if we had to? You know, was it the Russia it, thing that 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 helped them get more attention? Or was it before that? Before that, okay, before that. that was like another climate change thing another climate change you know and they have better design they have better they have they have nuclear power plants that can shut down like without the passive shutdowns you don't have to do anything you know it melts some ice core thing that then 
brings in the stuff that stops yeah. the reaction you're done you know it's not chernobyl anymore but but it's still scary it's still a big public outreach issue like you would have to generate a ton of money just to deal with like educating the public around those particular right. issues right and that's what everybody's you know afraid of investing in nuclear power is really like the pushback you would get from the public right. but they're starting to it's starting to happen so those things like we know people know people that are in these institutions they know that this change is happening what they're trying to do is how do they shape some of that to benefit or to at least extend their current business models or current way of doing business before it all, before it's like, you know, lights yeah. off, we have to go batteries or we have to go this way or that way. Yeah. yeah. It's just, there's that work. And then, you know, there's so many, it's not just like the, there's so many lobbies that would be, um, or so many industries that would have to like completely shift you know, even the oil industry, the energy industry, you know, that you got the dealerships, you got the uh, entrenched automakers, you got people all along the supply chain that we're probably not even thinking about that probably have some sort of skin in the game where this entire transition they would be hurt by. So there's like so many forces you would have to almost counter. But then on top of that, you also have to build the damn infrastructure and the supply chain of that new thing that in itself is going to be incredibly hard to do as well. So yeah. like there's just so many things that still have to happen for this thing to to actually to to take effect. And I think maybe that's some of the a lot of the people that perhaps are not deciding to invest that time is they are they recognize the fact that there's just so much already out there yeah. that needs to be dealt with that the, the problem seems too large. But if it doesn't get dealt with, we're someone else is gonna come in and fix it. And well, and then it's not necessarily gonna be us. It's either it's either well you could you could I mean uh, Elon mentioned it carbon tax I mean you you sure. you could create an escalating carbon tax on one on some level that funnels that money like kind of into you know into this process like as soon as there's a little bit of a tax on that then the investments start to make sense like part yeah. of the problem is that there's also no clear direction so when do you invest in a nuclear power plant like if, if, if there's not much backing uh, the potential for it, like it's, you know, you're not going to get it from VC, the venture capital guys, they want their money in four or five years, but these things take 10, 20 years to build and finance and so forth. So yeah. you need some kind of government intervention there. But if there's a carbon tax and it's got a schedule as it increases over time, now you can plan and forecast against that. Now you can create investments and assets that, you know, you know, you're going to get your money out of at some yeah. point. Right. So it's a it's a weird it's a complicated thing. But one argument that I would make towards all that is, OK, well, we don't don't do anything. Don't we won't do. You know, forget it. Forget forget about trying. Let's, you know, don't change. We're going to it's Mother Nature's going to mess us up yeah, <laughs> real quick. Yeah, yeah. And for the longest time, I'm just sitting there waiting for like, all right, when do these storms start to get really gnarly enough? You know, when do the uh, scheduled fires in California every year start to really spread out to burn enough million dollar homes before all the insurance company and actually and like and it turns out that it's happening now. Like it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Like they're already people are concerned. It's all it's like there is the reaction's been happening. It's just it's not very apparent sometimes where slow. it's slow. It's improving. very slow. Yeah. But it's like this sort of like it's just like, you know, it's like a hockey puck thing. It's just gonna keep getting faster and faster. Yeah. And at some point you're gonna see a ton of Teslas on the road. 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe more. You'll you'll remember the days when there were other brand cars on the yeah, and I don't, I'm not necessarily sure if that's either even a good outcome where it's just Tesla's out on the Probably road. Probably not. That tells Probably me something not. really bad has happened. <laughs> right. If it's if, just T yeah. emblems everywhere, yeah. not good, right? Yeah. Not good. I mean, it'd be great as a as an investor and as a stockholder, sure. but like when you're thinking about like the overall picture of like what does that mean, the implication of that long term. You know, and then even Elon himself has said like there needs to be other players in the game. Like he wants he wants other car makers to come into play. It's just it's just man, it's just it's it feels like there's like these super like climate change and then this entire movement towards renewable energy. They they both appear like like trains that have already started and you cannot stop them. Um and you have to figure out how to build a track. Because if, if you don't, it's going to be just chaos. It's going to be absolute chaos. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's like I'm trying my best yeah. to stay positive about the, the overall outcome. But I just I think what you described around creating a lot more awareness, especially in government uh, and really trying to figure out how to how to create a narrative or how to sort of build a story that the powers at B can actually digest and it makes some sort of um, so, so it gives them a little bit of sense of urgency to try and tackle this problem earlier, I think will be long-term beneficial. But I think ultimately my, my biggest fear is that nothing happens until chaos comes, which is usually what usually happens in the past. Sure. Chaos comes and then people will freaking, that's when they'll actually do it. And by then it might be too late, you know, or by then it's like you come out with a half-assed thing that doesn't actually do anything. I don't know. But, that might well, be yeah. I'm definitely not for one to be despondent because I feel like the this despondency, that sensation of like it's just too overwhelming. There's nothing that can be done. Yeah. The people that fall into that line of discussion, uh, like you're no you're no better than the people that sort of denying that it's happening. Yep. Yep. He's like you're you're as useful as that other guy. Right. <laughs> you're both me. doing nothing. Like, <laughs> it doesn't do any good. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like the key is to, you know, the thing I think about is that you could you could you could look at super PAC money and the billions that be, that's being invested. And yes, the big behemoths of cash coming from energy companies and so forth to protect their interests. Sure. But it doesn't sometimes take much to make to poke that to poke them into an overreaction or to create a scenario where oh wait a minute this isn't the only game in town too much of their that money that kind of discussion is just they're used to that they don't know who else to turn to right they're not going to go on uh you know uh tesla daily right uh job um uh what's his name john mauer wait rob wait. rob mauer rob rob yeah, yeah. rob mauer I'm just terrible with names, by the way. That's Rob okay. Mauer. <laughs> They're not going to go on Rob Mauer's show unless something's like poking them to like, you should go talk to him, you know, like yeah. about this, your perspective on whatever, whatever. Like you, there's, you, you, we, you have to coordinate over time and organize around that. And so it's good that everyone's organized the way they are organically at this point, but the sort of, there's another level to this, this game yeah. and it's putting a little bit of cash and Hiring some of those same pros that know some of those strategies and developing some like real pinpoint prick. It's sort of like the, um, it's like, let me give you the example. It's like putting the, you, you have a bunch of cars speeding in a particular part of the highway. You, you don't have to 
get them all with a speeding ticket. Mm. <laughs> you just got to mm-hmm. get one or two mm-hmm. and make kind of a big deal about that mm. in some way to show, oh, there could be enforcement or there could be, you know. Yeah, small transition. actions can have large implications. Yes, yeah. especially yeah. in places yeah. where they're totally unexpected. Got that's it. the strat. That's the strategic. That, that's where a good st- communication strategy would help. A, a professional would help, like determine, like what's the best spot to make a little bit of a push. Not in this sort of weird, like weirdly activist, going to interrupt the meetings or like no. Right. I mean, like and like show them an effort. It doesn't take that much money. It's not in the six figure sums. It's just sort of like showing that you're there is usually enough. Mm. to make somebody think twice about not including Tesla in the next speech or in the big press about EV world and mm. like, oh, well, I don't want to feel, I don't want that. I don't want to start attracting some of that super PAC money yeah. towards me. You know, there's, there's just has to be that, that thing. And maybe it's just, just you and I talking about it, I guess, hopefully maybe somebody out there, um, that's done really well could think about that you know yeah. it's not that hard you just got what's really what's really interesting that the immediate picture that came to my head when you said that is like if there was a say uh, a senator or a representative or even say a presidential candidate who like literally would mention tesla and say yeah, Tesla is the greatest American company, whatever, just whatever rhetoric you want to push that's positive for Tesla, the Tesla community would freaking rally around that person so hard and they will make sure that that person's name is constantly repeated <laughs> in discussion, like without a yeah, doubt. Well- because because the community and the company has been dragged through the mud so many times in the past that any sort of like, say, uh, personality or person that actually has influence in, 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 uh, in government or mm. policy actually says something and, and they make uh, some sort of, um, you know, a platform around the fact that Tesla and the EV world is good, but also like, you know, definitely get the Tesla name in there and make sure you paint him in a positive manner, bro. Like they would, Dude, they would get so much support. It you would and be me ridiculous. just, you and me just in this like hour, two hours we just talked about, just yeah. came up with like two or three strategic approaches. Yeah. <laughs> we could do that. Let's fly into DC. Let's start it. <laughs> and you and I are just going to walk down, you know, here the Russell building, knock yeah. on their doors and be like, hey, we're looking for somebody that would be willing to mention Tesla and a few press releases from your offices. This yeah. is how it would impact your district. Here's the data yeah. on it. This is why you should get behind it. And by the way, watch out. China might come take you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, your constituents, uh, you know, you union shops if we don't do something like that's yeah. it i mean that is it that's like you you have to think through that yeah put together a little plan and then you have a day of they call them a day of action on the hill yeah you have an annual event get everybody together you give them all the note cards and then you just walk a hundred people on capitol hill that's and so fascinating the tesla bros are on the hill Tesla and you better watch out because you <laughs> might end up on one of their YouTube channels if you don't say right. the right thing. And if you don't right. like, you know, somehow pander to their interest a little bit and, you know, but just just to make them aware that the community exists and yeah. that it's done financially well so far. It's powerful. It'll it's a powerful a lot, community, man. It's a powerful a lot, community. You know? I think yeah. I think what, what's also interesting is that I think a lot of folks in the community, though, like, um, you know, just from my casual conversations. And I, you know, I'm still trying to formulate my thoughts around this, but like they probably find that whole dynamic kind of sleazy, you know, yeah, it's like, of course. and I think not- I'm curious if that's why perhaps that hasn't happened yet. It's because sort of like, 
you know, the, 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 the way Tesla and sort of the community sees solving problems, it's like, oh, it's first principles thinking and we just have to innovate on the process. And but so, what's, yeah. But what's sleazy about it? Advocating for your interests to the representatives that I represent I think it's like you. the the whole like you know you got to stick a little bit of money in someone's pocket either passively or you know directly no that's why no but that's why i said no no see that hold on forget pad you gotta reframe that right you gotta reframe that yeah no do it do it the way the big boys do it you do a super pack and then you get to spend it any way you want don't coordinate (laughs) with the politicians don't have any communication just you know, decide yeah. like it could be buying some, you know, ads on a particular space, district yeah. or like it could be a variety of things, which is what people are doing anyway now by right. creating YouTube channels and writing Twitter. But like also walking the halls of your local, you know, your state capital. If this is if anybody watches a show that's in Oklahoma, you should pick up the phone and call that guy yeah. and tell him what you thought, because they will put it on a check mark one against that and they'll just collate your email you know yeah. another if you really want them to read something <laughs> the old trick of like write your letter and overnight it it by fedex so mm. they they'll open those they will open those fedex over that must be pretty important <laughs> yeah 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 you know your 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 uh state politician something and and they just they don't need a lot they just need to know that you're there and that you're paying attention that's the that's the main thing. And yeah. to some degree, that has to be coordinated because it can't just be like one person or two people. It's just, it just has to be like a, uh, you know, come come on a consistent basis. That's why that's why associations are good, because there's reason to meet together. There's there's the, you know, the annual event. There's continuing education. There's some webinars. There's just this thing that keeps you paying attention over yeah. time. It could be around these shows. It could be, you know, all you know, everybody that already has this sort of voice out there. Mm. But um, but we you know, I think that that there's a gap is what I'm highlighting. Yeah, but there's a it's little definitely- gap there that's time to gel around it and don't wait for tesla to do it tesla's gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do they're gonna defend their interest they have attorneys and so forth but the retail investor the 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 community there's you know there's still another level to this sure sure i'm not suggesting that i you know If anybody's actually thinking of starting a super PAC because of any of this, like just you know, find an attorney, one in DC somewhere right, that right, they, right, have right. your comment. Like there's there's a there's a lot of detail, but I'm just it's sort of show, what I've been able to gleam off of just working around these people over the years is that's how it's done. That's the way issues are pushed and yeah. evolved. So. I mean, it's great. Honestly, it's great insight because me, I, for me speaking, like this has been a very eye-opening discussion for me because I like, I, it helps me understand the inner workings of how stuff actually, you know, we try to get stuff done on, on the Hill and, and in government, like this are how things you typically get done. Like for me as an outsider, who's, you know, not, not very involved in that, but I have I have a cause. I have something that I'm passionate about, which is you know Tesla's success and our overall transition to electric vehicles, and and obviously America's success within that context, and how America can become a huge player in that, and sort of how local governments and state governments can help push that. So I can definitely see a correlation there for sure, and I and I do think at some point. I mean, it, you know, if especially the scenarios that we played out actually happen, like we're going to have no choice but to figure out how to make that sort of thing happen. It's just we can't wait too long or we can't be sort of reactive to it. We almost have to be right. proactive, right? Yes, We have to exactly. get ahead of the curve. Don't, 
Yes. Yeah. Just kind of, that's, that's where you need a little bit of cash, right? Just, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not like gobs of it, but it's, it's, you need, you need some contribution to pay for that canvasser person that knows the district or that communications director that knows how to, you know, take all these, the, you know, the, the insights that we're providing and, and craft material that you would then take on the Hill. Like there's, there's stuff there that, that just money, money, it's required. Right. But, right. Um, it's not a whole lot. I did have one thought. It just lost my train of thought on one thing that I wanted to suggest. Hold on, it's in my notes. Ah, it'll come back. It'll come back. But anyway, far as that, I do, you know what? I do think that there are groups out there. I just, I haven't done enough research into them. And so I think one of the things I'm going to do on my show is even though I'm kind of over the association world, is I think I'm going to bring, try to bring some of them and have some further deeper interviews with them. There's like a yeah. group I came called the Energy Innovation. I don't know anything about it. I haven't, you know, but I got a feeling that they have, they're in that direction of like trying to keep the transition happening as quickly mm. as possible. So it's something to also consider. Like there's a lot of people that sometimes get motivated to start a nonprofit, but the rule of thumb really is, don't start a nonprofit. Find the nonprofit that's already started. Gotcha. The nonprofit business is 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 just it's difficult. The administrative load is significant. Um, but I like super PACs. It doesn't seem that complicated. It's just some mm. filing and put some cash in the bank, and then you decide what you want to spend it on, right? Like yeah. you could do whatever there. Practically, it seems like, which is also yeah. the reason I dislike. I hate super PACs because it just we shouldn't have outsized volume of money dumped into our political system right it's just, it's just i mean i think know. overall too like that and i think that's some of my like partial hesitation into some of this is because of that it's because like we know we know how government and money interplaying together can be and again this is not technically you're not directly you know you're just you're just a separate voice that's <laughs> like an arm you know what i'm saying but like yes yeah i'm not shilling for this i'm just saying no, that's know, how the big boys are playing and when there's no they're not we're not there yet so at some point you got to join that you got to play the game you got to play the game yeah i know i get you i get you 100 percent. and i think and i think it's a very i think it's a very obvious i think it's going to potentially become the largest gap for tesla if certain things play out like you know if if politicians don't wake up and actually realize that this is a positive thing and they are supportive of tesla and if if it somehow becomes into a negative narrative i do think it's going to be dramatically important for that movement to start i I, I worry that um one of the arguments i i'm i'm rooting for tesla to get a lower priced car on the road they will because i i think that's going to be do you have a sense of when like that might happen? My gut that- tells me, Mike. So this year, they were very open about saying how uh, for for 2022 they're not going to start any new models, uh, but probably 2023 into 2024. You know, they've talked about a $25,000 vehicle, which is probably going to be 30000 after inflation, this whole inflation shift. Yeah, but that's, that's a key component yes. because that'll that'll get rid of the, oh, Teslas are just lugged for the rich, yeah. like wealthy, you know. That's and those will drive issue. themselves too. That That's the sort of the goal is that even the cheaper cars will be able to drive themselves as well. So you've, you've really dramatically improved the cost of entry for somebody because you start having a that's scenario a where- you don't even have to purchase a car. You theoretically could just like hail a self-driving Tesla and you pay, you know, 20 cents a mile to get around, which is like a fraction of the cost of owning a car. You know, yeah. that's a potential yeah. outcome. 
I've, I've, I worry that if 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 these uh, legacy automakers start cracking uh, before the that lower price car entry exists, I worry that there's going to be like you know I mean yeah I've seen I've seen videos of people like Keen and Tesla because they just like hate it it's just like ah this rich 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 boy Tesla thing you mm-hmm. know so I just think that there's something I hope that that happens quick quickly um, but also because we need more. <laughs> We yeah, yeah. Right? No, like, it would definitely yeah. happen. It will definitely happen. You know? I mean, I do think, and, and, and here's the deal, like Tesla is the only one that's equipped to do that because they've actually built a supply chain and they have the, the synced uh, cost already into the factories and they've become extremely good at throwing up new factories, right? And they and they have the they have the costs correct. Uh, they have the cost controls from a battery perspective, from a drivetrain perspective, and they really they 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 are the only ones that truly have a supply chain built for an affordable car. I don't think anybody else. Maybe maybe some of the players in China also have that because they have so much government backing. You know, like mm-hmm. where they're basically subsidizing any losses they would have from having to sell a car that cheap with you know very thin, if any, profit margins. But if you're thinking about a private company that doesn't need uh, outsized government support. Tesla is really the only one, in my opinion, on this entire planet that can actually crank out a $25,000 car. Yeah, for those Kent. are the moats for Tesla. Yes, those are the exactly. Moats. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. then you layer and then you layer self-driving on top of that. Then you have a, a it's like they ha- it's just it's insane. And this it, again, it goes back to like the thing where like my worry is that Tesla's dominance is going to be so freaking obvious and so unstoppable that it's like the outcomes from that are going to be potentially very detrimental. Like it, it could, like it could be a net negative. Like Tesla being so successful could be a net negative, because nobody else can play, you know. And the only ones that can play are the Chinese because the the government backs them, you know. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's scary. But but that cheaper cars, the cheaper cars coming, uh, probably in a couple of years. I initially couple thought it was going to be next year. Yeah, a couple of years. Well, COVID years, messed up. I'm sure all kinds of planning and well, like the buildouts of the fact the gig of Berlin and so forth have been slow. And so, so the biggest yeah. reason, the biggest reason that Elon gave is because the Model Y has so much freaking demand that it doesn't. Oh. They don't. Starting a new car is like almost idiotic because they have a years plus potentially maybe more worth of <laughs> demand for the Model Y. So even yeah. if they're ramping that car as much as they can, they're still going to be backlogged. So if you introduce a new car that's even cheaper, then you're going to have five year backlogs. You know, it's like that's ridiculous. Like you can't be doing that. So you got to build, you got to build uh, the the sort of supply. You got to build that. You, you got to uh, diminish your demand first for your other products before you introduce that new product line because your demand will just be through the roof, which tells me, which this is sort of one of my theories, is that a lot of that cheaper car build out is going to be done in secret. And then once they're actually ready to announce it, they'll be like, oh, by the way, you can purchase this car tomorrow and it'll be delivered to you in a month or two. Because if they don't do that, Amazing. you know what I'm saying? If they don't, if they don't do that, they run the risk of like just completely disrupting. Overwhelming uh, their, with the yeah. bids for the requests at, yeah. in advance. Because you think so, about how much demand that's going to get, you know, it's going to be insane. How many, how big these gigafactors? The, like how many old? Like I know there's always you, they they got them going, and then they got to like ramp up. These are large facilities. How many cars did? could like Giga Berlin eventually be producing out of that space? Yeah, so Giga Berlin's initial, I believe is half a million cars a year, if I remember correctly. Um, but 
if you look at something like Giga Texas, so Giga Texas, the amount of acreage that they've purchased is 10 times larger than the next largest factory. Okay. And these, the factory in Texas can probably crank out probably, you know, in their first phase. And this is me just guessing. These are people just guessing, right? Probably a million cars. You know, Fremont is close to 650,000 cars, I believe, right now, if you add up well, all like the models. The maybe even oh yeah. God. Yeah, so it's going to be bananas. And and when um, somebody asked Elon on the when he unveiled the Berlin factory, like how many gigafactories do you see being built in the next ten years uh, to be able to get to twenty million cars per year? Then he said ten more, you know, ten more gigafactories or ten total. I forget what the ma- what he said exactly. Wow. But even if it's if, if even if it's ten more, you know, they have. Uh, how many factories right now? Four factories open right now between the you know Giga, Texas, Berlin, Shanghai, and Fremont. You add ten more, that's fourteen. That's still well over one million units per year for each one of the factories. You know, so um, so for each factory they throw up, you know, you can assume they're making about you know one point four to one point five million cars a year. So um, yeah, wow. so it's gonna there's a lot of cars in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah hey, GM's got her, got their first one. I wonder how yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck with them. Yeah. Um, let me. I want to ask right. you a couple of questions actually before yeah. before oh, we wrap sure. up. So, um, I, I'm curious. Like you've talked to, you said you've talked to, you know, 500 plus uh, CEOs and leaders of nonprofits, and you've obviously had a lot of different um, experiences where you've talked to very talented people. You've talked with leaders and everything like that. So I'm curious. Like based on everything we've talked about. But I'm also curious, like within a broader sort of scope, are you overall optimistic or pessimistic about where we're going? Oh, uh, optimistic. Okay, why? A, a lot more optimistic. Yes, a lot more. Uh, I would say that if you had asked me this question like three or four years ago, I would have been a lot more. I would be a lot more dour about it. But okay, yes, overall a lot more optimistic because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with other initiatives. Um, a diversity inclusion initiatives that suddenly went from like non-existent in Washington, D.C. You just have a bunch of elderly white guys sitting around making association trade deals, things like that, to, mm-hmm. oh, we need a we need this. We need this program. We need a and, and not just a watered down like side stage at the annual event for women to talk about their stuff like we they, like conservative mentorship concern. Like you can't. If, if you're an association of any size in, in the Washington, D.C. area that doesn't have some diversity and inclusion component to it, it don't look good. It looks it looks it looks pretty. Uh, it's not good. It's not good. Um, mm-hmm. And so that like what when you think about like, well, what was the financial motivation around that? who made that thing happen? How did that transpire? That's the whole other con- story. But at the end of the day, it goes to show that pe- organizations can change and from within with their vested interest and biases and everything that that's involved with that. So I am, I'm positive overall. Um, and if, you know, if not, well then eventually there'll be enough <laughs> climate disasters that eventually everybody no will uh, freak out and have to do something. <laughs> that's what's yes. going to happen. Like, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. That's it. Like how much can you avoid doing yeah. until you know, and it does suck, but they don't they don't put a you know, they don't put a street light on a cor- on a dangerous corner until somebody gets hit by a car. You know, mm-hmm. like it ha- that's that has existed, but it's moving 
all across in in that direction. So the question is now accelerating this effort, mm-hmm. moving it faster, and making it just like the normal thing. What is your? You make a product. What's the? You should know what the carbon cost is that to the product, yeah. and what are you doing to mitigate or reduce? Just know now. <laughs> really hard to do that, but yeah. that's that's that that's the direction uh, every industry has to go into. But that's encouraging. I mean, even even after all those discussions, you know, I I like to ask this question of my guests who have like had podcasts or I've talked to other people. Um, um, And generally, that's the kind of guidance I get is like they're overall positive because they do see positive change happening in the world. So like, you know, I think I think and I, I tend to agree too. like I used to be a little bit more pessimistic about it. But the more I talk to people, the more I'm like, yeah, man, there's a, like a lot of freaking smart people here, man. Like the world's got a lot of smart people that are very passionate about doing stuff. And a percentage of those folks will actually be able to execute on those things as well, because, you know, either because they're passionate about it or they've made the decision to uh, involve themselves in it. So that's that's very encouraging. And so that's good to hear. And then so one more question, actually two more. I'm going to give you two more questions here okay. um, out of so through this whole six year journey with your podcast, what is the biggest thing that stands out to you? Um, my particular journey on the, for my show, I, yeah. I just, the, 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 actually this, the, the change the the, the weird fact that climate change is going to change the way everybody has to do business. And then I'm seeing it happen in real time. And that there are industries that are getting ahead of that. And that there are companies, amazing fucking companies like Tesla, that are not just succeeding at making a change or product, but like, like, you know, cashing in, like they're like the, you know, it, the possibility exists to transition us off this, like this course that we're in this direction. Uh, I guess I'm not, that um i mean i'm not like an environment i'm not the crazy environment like we need things we need like i'm not I, you know we need plastic even though plastic's in mm. the environment we need there's just things that we need but it's like energy costs you know i'm not somebody who's just off the cuff this is just going to happen but um right. but that has been the the culmination that's why i changed the direction of my show that's why i decided to now i want to talk to those companies making those innovative products like i can't just be a tesla out like there's got to be others and there definitely are there definitely are a ton of interesting companies that are creating products there's like we, i had i had a really cool one where um they're generating energy from a thermionic device that you can basically it's two plates that you can if you heat the electrons on one plate and some of the electrons will push into the next with the gap you can generate electricity and that can go into our furnace they want to they have a product they want to build it so that you can power as you heat your water heater it's generating some electricity right out of the damn heat. That's we're awesome. wasting. We're wasting heat. It's stupid. We're burning <laughs> natural gas to heat the water because we need hot water. But why is this device not in all those things? It's like simple. Well, not so simple. Creating the the uh, they had to use neural network. There's the whole explanation on that episode um, that he lost me a little bit in the one explanation. I have to go back and listen to it. But they had to use a neural network to actually get the right variability like the right amount of material like too many electrons creates a backfill and not enough electrons moving mm. through the thing it's like super complicated fascinating but it's stuff like that that i'm seeing everywhere and so that's awesome that's like God. that's fantastic it's innovation that's exploding and a lot of it has to do because of ai and 
um, and the tools that we're getting from from Amazon. So. Um, awesome. Amazon Web Services, maybe Jeff Bezos. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Everything That's... leads back to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I know everything's yeah. Amazon and Jeff. Uh, all right, anyway. one last one last question before I let you okay. go. Um, what do you think is humanity's purpose? Oh, shit! That's a hard one. Oh, humanity's purpose. Um, it's I, you know pretty simple. I think it's a hard one to conceptualize, but it's pretty simple. I think to decide that it, what what it should be. And I think it's to serve others. I think fundamentally mm. to figure out a way to like alleviate a little bit of suffering in someone else. Right? We're all going through our journeys. We're all trying to figure out what we're doing. We don't all get it right. But to some degree, I think if you can just be kind in your efforts, that's the purpose of humanity, I think. Wow. Just like you hit me a little bit on that one. <laughs> yeah, I always like to end these like uh, you know usually we're like on that. a on a long like conversation and then I usually save like the most philosophical like yeah. you know like brain fuck or whatever <laughs> of a question <laughs> yeah. for the last bit after someone's potentially already burned out. I'm like, what is humanity's <laughs> purpose? <laughs> I'm just it's 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 I'm very fascinated by that. Like ever since I sort of started my journey, you know, since you know trying to discover what I want to do, like I think that's where I'm like that's where I'm landing as well. And I a lot of the times when I ask that question, it, that's sort of the theme that I get is that is that we're just here to really help each other out. Like we're, we're all, you know, we're all a group of people that are trying to make things better for ourselves. But then it's also the, the amount of pleasure you get from helping others as well is like, it's like, I think it's part of our DNA. Like there's a reason why when you help somebody, you feel so good. It's because there's something more than just like the action that's, it's embedded in your DNA. And I'm, I've been reading this book, Sapiens. I don't know if you've ever read the book, but mm -hmm. it's a fascinating, I highly recommend it. I'm not done with it yet, but it's a fascinating story of like humanity's uh, evolution from like, you know, 200 thousand plus years ago to where we are now and just the common themes that keep coming up like through the decades and through the years and and millennium of like of like millennia of, of humans being around on the earth it seems to be like that cooperation is always constant that trying to figure stuff out together and helping each other out is con it's it's uh it's a constant so the fact that you said that i think again reinforces the fact that there is that is embedded in our dna and we 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 have to figure out how to get more of us in that situation where we are able to do that get ourselves out of that freaking rat race that so many of us get stuck in or either out of because because of want or survival right a lot of us are mm -hmm. stuck in that situation because of survival and like how can we get humanity to a situation where more of us can do that you know so yeah um i, I feel very deeply connected to what you just said so i appreciate yeah, I you think uh, there's a being there's a sense of um there's a sense of satisfaction you can get that you can't get from m most things that involves like just helping lifting someone else up yeah. no knowing that it's not going to do much for you anyway in the sense that it's not like i'm just helping you up so that i can do do feel better it's just sort of that that process of like i see some pain in the world they taking the responsibility putting that weight on your own shoulders and then just moving forward and i and and I, and one one thing to make sure that i contemplate a lot of is don't get caught up with all the things you're not in control of, like mm. all of the news and all the stuff in the war. Like we don't have much, we can't do much about a lot of that. But if you spend too much time paying attention to that, then you're not paying attention to the things you can change. 
which is right now and the garden you have and the people you're connected to and the things you can do today that's within your reach. In fact, doing a disservice to everyone else that's suffering in other ways if you don't pay attention to that and I'll figure out a way to like make life a little bit better for all of us. So yeah. that's why I love this. That's why I love the Tesla community. I love the story and I, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm <laughs> so beautiful. I, man. I own some stock. I'm gonna hold on to it. Like this is it. Like this is. And an if anybody wants story, to start yeah. a super pack, hit up Ernest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll uh, connect your... you to some friends. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Thank you so oh, much, yeah. man. I had a freaking blast. That was like awesome. I think two hours, man. I really was appreciate it? you. Yeah, crazy. Freaking flew by. Oh, You're welcome man. back anytime, bro. Like honestly, like I really enjoy we'll talking to you. Again. I really do. I feel like we, yeah. we have a really good back and forth. Um, dude, if you want to put this on your platform too, feel free. I'll definitely put it on mine and I'll reference your socials and everything. One last time for everybody who hasn't heard of you, you want to give uh, sort of your, again, your channel and your socials and all that good stuff. Yeah, the YouTube channel Through the Noise Podcast. Perfect. That's it. And That's then, the title. That's the easy way to find me. Yeah. Perfect. And then they can also look you up on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Right? We're on yeah. all the other. Yeah. But the, the YouTube channel is the part that's like the most embarrassing. It's like, man. OK, so everybody go there. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're going to click on something, click over there, please. That helps. And, OK, yeah, perfect. Cool. All right, man. Thank cool. you so much. Uh, take care. Take thank it easy, you, brother. And thank right. you for hanging out with me and let's have a great weekend. Again soon. Bye. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Take it easy. Bye.